This is the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast, where we talk with martial arts practitioners about their histories and the influence their practice of martial arts has on their lives. You are listening to the free version of this podcast, which is abbreviated. Help support this program by considering to subscribe to us on Patreon and access the full-length version of the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcasts, all for the price of one coffee shop coffee per month. Go to www.patreon.com slash malmag. That's www.patreon.com slash M-A-L-M-A-G. This week I talk with East Coast martial artist Mike Yuski, and we bounce around from topics such as his martial arts history to philosophy and to engaging in good faith in social media discussions. Welcome to the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast, and this uh, edition is with Mike Yuski, who's uh, somebody I've kind of met on the internet and become very good friends with. Uh, he's one of those guys I love to sit and chat to either, you know, through typing or through this type of medium. And um, I, I think we're going to learn some interesting things today. So uh, the one thing, Mike, welcome. To Thank Mike. you. And um, one of the things I, I think that really stands out about you and, and a, a very few people, and you're one of them, is, is the whole real philosophical um, take that you bring to the martial art practice and you've got a very interesting experience in this and that you you actually speak chinese yeah right so uh when 9 11 happened i was a personal trainer working at washington sports club and uh, because of my idealism i mean you know being a, a young kid i'm even wearing a batman shirt today just happened to be what was still clean in the laundry i was thinking about wearing representing some kind of a martial arts thing but um you know the academy shirt or something with the with the the uh, archangels or whatever but um when my dad passed away when i was like 13 or 14 that's kind of a hero origin story you know what i mean and all of us identify with, all of us identify with those kind of ideas you know and i was already into taekwondo um, obviously, as the Korean arts, mainly the, the Olympic sport of Taekwondo, probably has more schools. Maybe Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has eclipsed them nowadays. But if you you know, in the nineties, eighties and nineties, everything about the United States or worldwide, because I'm going to worldwide um, in Taekwondo. Exactly, and and when I was studying it in the you know sort of uh, when my dad passed away, it was eighty nine, and I was already into um sort of your local karate school maybe in tong sudo and they called it like tompkins karate which is a big east coast uh kind of a chain every every um you know many of the uh like community centers uh sort of in the mid-atlantic and florida you know he'd have sort of what he would call tompkins karate a lot of people started there or you'd go to uh, one of the you know taekwondo schools you know whether it's wtf or itf or it was maybe they were a little bit more traditional Right, they had a little bit of a history before, like all of the different squans went into um, Olympic Taekwondo. Right, so anyway, you get your kind of start in those arts. And um, what was interesting about those arts, and I may have talked about this in the dialogue with uh, Dwight Woods about a year ago or so, but when you practice kicking in the air and then you spar, you don't really understand why you're not pulling off certain kicks. Why am I not landing things? Why can't I counter things? Because it seemed like all of the drilling and the methodology we're used to wasn't there. And they figured you're just going to work that out when you're sparring. Like it's just, you know, yeah. 
magically it did seem like yeah there was there was stuff and then uh i mean i guess the way i always thought about it was okay i did i did short new karate now i was really lucky in that my teacher was also a pka trainer at the time and pka competitor so we were doing like kickboxing so i thought okay you do all this this traditional looking karate stuff to practice then when we spar it just looks like kickboxing yes which was okay because i did kickboxing but i thought well where does the other stuff come in right right so i remember being at a school that um actually i think i may have shared remember i shared the photo with you guys and obviously we're not you know um, we, we're not going to link uh, the, the the photo, you know, for people who are watching the video, or whatever. But it was a, a a shot from 1991. We came back from the Olympic Junior Nationals in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we all won in forms. No one won in sparring legitimately. Someone got second because she lost to the only other person in her division. Right mm. now, again, I was I'm okay. I w I'd be okay with not winning in sparring, right? Because as we know. Right. You, maybe you learn more from losing than from winning, right? So it may have been valuable lessons in going in, competing and losing, whatever. But the write-up in the local paper made it like we were champions. And before we went, and we were pretty good in forms, but, you know, if, if forms and breaking and sparring are really this sort of trifecta, even if you throw out breaking, it's forms and sparring and competition, taekwondo competition. So, and, and we had, we had conversations that we could hear where the master was like, and he even said it to us a couple of times. He said, well, you guys aren't really going to win in sparring. So we're just going to focus on forms. So for me, it was kind of like, well, if we already are decent in forms, why not work on a weak area? And I was right. really disheartened when we, all of us lost in sparring. And then it was sort of like, heralded it was talked up it was championed as if we had won all these medals we'd sweeped everything and we group shot with all the medals and i was like this is a lie like you're not training us you know so from there i skipped around a bunch of um taekwondo schools trying to find where that kind of methodology and i didn't even know that word but i knew the way we were training my kicks are good when i get into sparring i don't know what the hell i'm doing i'm chasing the guy around he's running i can't land anything something's something's amiss here right you know and uh eventually got injured a few times got kicked in the back found a couple schools that did have the drilling was one of the first schools and that's really where i got kicked in the back and got injured it was, it was the first school in taekwondo where they would actually have you like one person would round kick and the other person would back with spinning back kick and you would just keep doing it axe kick you would counter with a spinning back kick or Round kick, you'd, you'd counter with, you know, so you would just drill it. You'd like, okay, he keeps throwing a kick and you would keep countering it. Like maybe they would have the chest gear and you would keep doing it. And I was like, this is the drilling that we never saw before. This is the methodology, right? right. So that's one of the things that is I found Mike Krivka and everything was methodology. I mean, then it was like, whoa, it was like as if. I was driving a car, but only able to make left turns, couldn't go in reverse, could, could, couldn't go above like 25 miles an hour or something. And then all of a sudden, I can do anything I want. I can turn left, turn right, go in reverse, and I can get out of the damn car. I couldn't even get out of the car before. So like getting into the Jeet Kune Do was so mind expanding in that way that I, I was like, well, this and the development, the way that, um, you know, uh, Krivka was bringing in the um, the different arts. Like we would go through a, 
shoot wrestling phase where we were training a ton of that stuff. Maybe we just met with Eric, you know, mm -hmm. or that was right when it was before Bird Sifu Bird uh, went into the um, the um, all the streets. Yeah. yeah. Because he was just going from JKD Unlimited to high performance. Like he was just going from, from you know, the JKD oh. Unlimited still had like testing stuff. And he would right. talk about the high performance. And he was kind of jumping right to the high performance. He just got married to Sarah, right? His daughter wasn't even wasn't even a, a thing yet, right? He was still, he, was, he had just moved to, maybe he hadn't even moved to Hawaii or he was just going to do it. So, <clears throat> so that's when he brought Victor Belford into this sort of mix he was training jiu-jitsu with victor belford right oh. that's when he brought randy couture in and it was we kept getting all this greco-roman stuff from the seminars right so all that kind of methodology was there um 9 11 happens i still want to keep training but my idealism of wanting to make the world a better place which some of us really do have in the martial arts right some of us kind of feel like it's not really just about you know kicking someone's ass if and when right. that happens but some yeah. of us are, are trying to teach, we're trying to better ourselves, we're trying to see, you know, what is it outside of just, right. And, um, and, and around the time that 9-11 happened, I, had, I, I already had a few back injuries, right? I had hurt myself squatting. I got kicked in the back in Taekwondo. When I was working at Pat Trey's school in Woodbridge, Virginia, um, that's when the back injury really kind of came back. I was making an hour long trip down to Woodbridge, you know, I was, Kind of the commute was killing me. I wasn't able to do this sort of self-care. And we didn't even call it self-care back then. Like I wasn't really able. I was just teaching and not really training enough. So the back injuries came back to haunt me. And at a certain point, I, I said to myself, I have to go back to school. You know, I have to keep doing this because this is who I am. Um, right. But, but maybe I'm not cut out for this full-time uh, martial arts instructor thing. And my back was really... You know, by the end of the day, teaching at Trident, I, I could barely stand because everything was so. Yeah. So, and a lot of it wasn't just the back. Uh, go ahead. You're about to say something. Oh, no, I say I hear you. You know, I a history of, uh, of plenty of back issues, too. And it's just like, you know, it's amazing how much pain that can give you. But, you know, at the same time, like you said, you can't stop. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And no back specialist or doctor really gave me that much to really sort of improve. I basically went back to my own fitness stuff and um, all the stretching, all the yoga, I really had to take everything back to blueprint and realize that not only that I have a back injury, but um, I, was, I was making it worse by not stretching certain things, strengthening other things, right? Like certain, like I wasn't twisting enough, you know, because that was part of what, like if, you know, if you, you know, if someone does a movement and their back goes out on them, they don't want right. to do that again. They want to stay right. away yeah. from that, right? Yeah, yeah. But actually, you may have to safely work through that stuff because that may be where the limitation well, really sure. is, right? Yeah. So right. I, I'm sure protected. I made my, I know I made things worse because of, um, I stretched certain things and tightened up other things. So I was actually maintaining a kind of muscular, um, and flexibility imbalance yeah. in a way, right? That was already established. I got injured. I was kind of maintaining it. So I, I carried that for a while, which is why now I've worked through that. And even, you know, years later, I don't have the, the pain um, that I that I did before. I feel much more functional and, and you know, um, you know, I feel like I could do now what I couldn't do 20 years ago because of the uh, the imbalances are gone, right? But 
in the midst of all of that, where I was like, maybe I can't do this full time. That's when I went back and was really studying the, the political science and Chinese. The economic crisis happens in 2008. And I was already, um, I already got into a master's degree program in Beijing. So I went over there. I couldn't really get a job in the DC area at the time. With when were you in Beijing? I was, dating, I was dating a girl that knew someone at this university in the international relations department. And she was in an exchange program. A lot of Chinese were studying in Maryland. And oh, wow. I was doing a lot of language exchange where I would teach them English. Thinking, they would teach Chinese. I'm thinking you were in, in Beijing and I was next door in Kazakhstan at the same time. I'm thinking. Yep. <laughs> that was there from 2009 to 2012. Yeah, pretty much. I was uh, in Kazakhstan from about 2009 to halfway through 2011. Yeah, and I was well, also we neighbors in, back then. Didn't even know. Yep. And I was in Harbin in 2008 before the Olympics. So when the when the Sichuan earthquake happened and when a lot of other stuff happened during, you know, before the Olympics and stuff like that, I was in another part of the country um, and I came back to do a master's degree after I graduated. So Harbin in 2008 was like a study abroad in undergrad. And then when I went back to do the master's degree, that was um, in the summer of 2009. So that's why I've been very outspoken about one that I haven't been in the game the entire time, the way people running schools have been. So that means I haven't been pressure testing stuff, right? I haven't been doing all that stuff. So there's no way that I'm going to go into those kind of conversations and, and people want to bring them into arguments and we can keep it civil. But any of those conversations where people want to say, well, my skill is this, therefore because my skill is better than yours, I'm right. And I wanted to say, hey, your skill is better than mine. You've been in the game the whole time. Now, we're only here in the comment section, so let's use our words. And if you can't defend <laughs> it with your words, right? If you can't defend it with your words, you can't defend it, right? And that's right. why some people haven't haven't um, blocked me because I've been so civil in that philosophical way that some of them don't really feel I'm attacking, you know, even though I'm kind of like, well, your argument has all these fallacies in it. It's called this, right. this, this, you know, but I'm not actually saying, you know, well, you're a fucking idiot for saying that argument, which some people may just get tired of it and be like, you know what, dude, I'm tired of this. You're, you know, so I was yeah. like, I had the endurance to just maintain that kind of academic kind of um, approach, the academic approach where it kept the philosophy. I really wanted to dig into those details. And I've, and that's what I've said. That's what I, I constantly say to, to uh, Sifu Dwight is since we only are in the comment section with words, that's the only thing we're actually sparring with is the words. Because right. yeah. many of us are never going to get together and say, let's see who's better. And the person who's better, their argument will win the day. But that doesn't actually matter either, right? Because it doesn't right. matter. Yeah, yeah if, if, it does, if you can win, your argument could still be wrong just because you, you win physically doesn't mean that, you know, your argument is the one that wins the day, right? right. Um, so, yeah. So well, I mean, think about World War II. The Nazis won a lot of battles, didn't make them the right guys. Right. And in Vietnam, <laughs> we won every single battle and lost the war, right? Yeah, we, exactly. we thought we were the right guys too, right? So, exactly, yeah. so, yeah, so that's how I kind of brought the philosophical element to the, 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 the conversation and debates within, within Jeet Kune Do. For me, I saw the student element as a, as a direct expansion of, of sort of like the, the, um, like the five ways of attack. I immediately saw becoming a student again, there's gotta be a similar 
five ways of attack of a student. There has to be. And this was, so then it's, it's always been sort of, for me, an extension of the philosophy into life, right? Which is why I don't understand um, certain people that might take more of a dogmatic approach where it's just not my philosophy, it doesn't resonate with me, where people might say, it's, it's only about what happens on the street if I get attacked and I wanna end it as quick as possible. And the philosophy doesn't seem to extend beyond that. Now, you and I know from conversations that we've had that I think they're only looking at simplicity and that's it in combat, right? But in our lives, simplicity may not be the best thing. Maybe Occam's razor, maybe simplicity right. speaks to Occam's razor. But in a lot of ways, you, we don't want things to always be simple. Like if you're playing the piano, are you going to play hot cross buns all the time? No, you got to start playing more difficult stuff to challenge yourself, right? Well, what, what are people defining as simple? Uh, what I think sometimes they say, well, if I don't understand it, it's not simple. Okay, well, that's not exactly true either. I mean, it just means you don't understand it. Right. You know? And, right. Uh, you know, when we talk about reality of combat, the one thing I'll always bring up is you're, unless you are a soldier in a war, you are not fighting every day. Exactly. Just, and soldiers in war tend to be younger people anyway. So, I mean, they're not going to put a 50-year-old guy out on a battlefield, or at least not a, you know, a battlefield full of 50-year-old guys. Right. They have a, you know, some officer out there who's battle trained or something, but the majority of soldiers are going to be young, the people who are really doing it every day. So there is one thing we all fight every day, and that's aging and gravity. So if you're not going to pay attention to that battle, then I think you're missing out a lot of what is actually reality. Right. And I know I've been in a seminar where, where Guru Dan said to us, it doesn't matter how much you can bench press today, or it doesn't matter how hard you can kick today. Right. Can you do that week after week for 10 or 20 years or 30 years, right? right? Or yeah. 40 years, right? Because that's really where the game is. So that's where I think a lot of us see the broader philosophy that has to do more with uh, personal evolution and self-development and a comprehensive more academic approach to a lot of this stuff than simply the daily decrease. The daily right. decrease, right, may have to be, and, and I think sometimes people conflate some of this stuff where if we look at the daily decrease and, and what's simple or, or what's direct and efficient and economical when the shit hits the fan, someone may actually be thinking more about like what police see as the most common attacks or what we are able to pull off under fire, sort of a high percentage of the time. Right. But, but you can't only train that. Right? Not only right. would it be boring as hell, right? But you're just not gonna have the, a, a, a much more comprehensive approach to what you're doing. It's like, it's like if you're, I know I can play this one song on the guitar, right? Um, it's it's um, Smoke on the Water, right? Dan, right. dan, dan. Dan, 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 dan. It's simple. Right. That's uh -huh. that's it. I only need that song. Are you kidding me? If you're going to play the guitar and you want to get into more complicated stuff, right, and you want to improve, there's no way you're just going to stay with that one song for the rest of your life. That just doesn't make any sense, right? So it's and also when we talk about ending the fight quickly, and I think a lot of us have joked recently online about this. It's not up to us necessarily what ends the fight quickly, right? We can't yeah. say that's going to do it. That That's it. That's it. It's done. You know, like, well, you have to keep going until that guy stops. And I mean, are you just going right. to throw that last one and then wait till the smoke clears? Like, 
you better have some follow-ups and then track and field the hell out of there, right? Right, right. So, so sometimes um, some of these things, some of the arguments that we might see that divide some of the groups is really simply to have that wedge in between, not really to see some common ground, right? Because you know we found common ground from people of, of all sides when they wanted to have open open conversations, right? And, and we've trained with people from all sides, right? We've learned from each other and it's been a good relationship, right? And not every, we can't always do that with everybody though, right? Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, so I think that there's a big difference between the people that also, I think um, there's a, a big difference um, between people that want to truly improve, right? Even if I'm wrong, I want to get better. I want to know why I'm wrong and improve versus people that sort of just want to be respected in some place yeah. where they Right. 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 And that's another reason why I was always honest with the fact that, hey, I, I moved back away from the martial arts for, for, for some years. When I came back, guys that I was teaching as white belts, they own their own schools now because it's been 15 years, you know, right. I kind right. of, you know, like I was on, it was on the back burner. I wasn't like actively training every night with some of these with some of these guys. So so that's why I felt that. If I didn't actually take a comprehensive approach with language, with culture, with philosophy, um, I'm kind of um, that's kind of a strength that I bring because I went and did that. You know, um, so I, I feel like I needed to. And this concludes the abbreviated version of the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast. Please remember to hit the like button and subscribe here to the YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program by going to patreon.com slash malmag and subscribing for access to the full-length podcasts. Again, that is www.patreon slash M-A-L-M-A-G. Thank you for listening to this week's episode with Mike Yuski. Coming up next week, I have Paulo Pereira, who is originally from Portugal but now runs a martial arts school in Brazil. Check out the Malmag store at www.martialartslifestylemagazine.com and click on the store tab. There you'll find a full selection of Timmy B's brand sticks for FMA, some Timmy B's brand shirts, and some very sharp looking Dos Manos shirts. This show is produced by Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine. Visit us at martialartslifestylemagazine.com. Music by Jack Hal Relic. Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine and the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast are trademarked and copyrighted by TNT LLC. Ah!